This is Psalms to God, Season 6, Episode 5, Frameworks for Prophecy. You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, King James Version. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree, and we're talking about prophecy. Now, in this episode, I want to talk about some more foundational concepts and principles because it's really important to understand what framework you're using to interpret revelation and the end times prophecy. Um, If not, you'll start mixing and matching things and things will get muddy really quickly and you will get confused. At least I did for a time. Um, But also because you will see these different things and if if they haven't been pointed out to you or you haven't studied them, they may also just sort of seem disjointed um, and it may just be discouraging in terms of studying the word as well. One thing I've noticed about us as believers, particularly those of us who grew up in the church, or even for some people who came later in life, is that typically we end up going to a particular denomination or a particular church. And even if you go to a non-denominational church, that is still technically a denomination. And most of the time, you probably go to the same church all the time. So you hear the same pastor all the time, which means you're getting their interpretation And a lot of times churches don't actually walk you through why they think their interpretation is correct. In this this particular case, there are four-ish, four-ish schools of thought on how to interpret end-time prophecy and in particular the book of Revelation. There are different denominations that subscribe to each one of these. And if you were to attend one of these denominations for the majority of your uh, education in the Bible or your walk with, with the Lord, then you probably would not know these other schools of thought existed. And you may or may not know why you believe the one that you believe, except that you will have been taught to look at the text through that specific framework, and you won't actually know. So when I originally started to study the word, particularly when I originally started to study the book of Revelation, I was very much confused by this because I entered into this world 
through the Left Behind series. Now, the Left Behind series, for those who are not familiar, is a very, very long and thick series written by uh, Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins. I believe those are the author's names. And it is a fictionalized version of the end of time. I read it in middle school and... I remember being very confused as to how they built this world, I guess, how they built their theology, because I had never heard any of that. Everything I had been taught up until that point about the end times was basically just fire and brimstone. You know, Jesus is coming back, there will be fire and brimstone, people will die, and, you know, the good will go to heaven. That was... I guess, all I really knew. And then here you have them talking about this seven-year tribulation and the great tribulation. And there were these signs in the sky and, you know, just all kinds of things. Like, even down to them having a specific country that the Antichrist came out of. And I was just like, how are they getting this? Where are they coming up with these ideas? How are they establishing this? How much of this is complete fantasy and fiction And how much of it is actually good biblical interpretation of the end times? Eventually, and by eventually, I mean like a decade later, I would realize that the Left Behind series is very much a futurist interpretation of the Bible. And that brings us to these four schools of thought or frameworks that are used to interpret revelation. Futurist is one of them. Preterist or preterism is another. There's also historicism and there is idealism. Now we're going to start off with futurism because it is one of the most popular and it was very much popularized by the Left Behind series because like I said, no one really talked about this, at least not in the circles I was in until after the Left Behind series came out. And now it's just like a cultural phenomenon. People just refer to being left behind. So futurism is the belief that most of prophecy has not happened yet and will happen at some point in the future. The primary foundation for this comes from Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 through 27, there is a prophecy there often referred to as the 70 weeks prophecy. It is a very powerful prophecy and um, it really leads us up to the birth of the Messiah, his uh, arrival as a prophet and as a, in his ministry. Um, And there is this whole thing about 70 weeks being determined upon Israel to make an end to the transgression and to turn back to God. What happens with futurism is that there are 69 weeks that lead up to the Messiah. And then there's this 70th week that they stick out into the future. In prophecy, there is the day for a year principle. So a week is seven days. Seven days is seven years using the day for a year principle. And that's where you get this seven year tribulation that happens at some unknown time in the future. Now, the best argument for interpreting that passage that way 
and thus, you know, applying that kind of logic to the text as a whole is that, you know, we are, we are still here. And depending on how you view the end, like the definition of the end, do you see it as like the final day of judgment? Do you see it as the worst part where, you know, the, the mark of the beast has been issued and we're being persecuted for being believers? Or whether you see it as like this general era, like like the end era where, you know, the signs of the times are coming and we're moving closer and closer to that point, you know, we aren't at the end, right? Like we're not at the point where like the mark of the beast has been issued that we know of. Um, and like, you know, people aren't, you know, like it's particularly here in the United States, it's not illegal to practice any particular faith, let alone Christianity, let alone your specific denomination. You can be a Protestant, you can be a Catholic, you know, you, you can pretty much do whatever you want. And so it doesn't really feel like we're into the deep throes of revelation, which is probably why most people lean towards the futurist idea and being that it's, oh, it's something out in the future, something they don't have to worry about at right now. Now, the thing that is, in my opinion, the strongest argument against the futurist idea is the entire foundation of it, this idea of separating the 70th week from the 69th week uh, or the 69 weeks that preceded. In the text, it says 70 weeks are determined upon you, which means that you have 70 weeks to make an end to the transgression. What strikes me as odd here is that if, if I give you a test and I say you have 30 minutes to do this test, if you take 15 minutes to do the test and then you say you're gonna use the other 15 minutes later, then you have to pause the test. You can't keep working on the test and then enact those 15 minutes later, then you would have way more than 30 minutes to complete the test. So if there were 69 weeks that have already elapsed and the 70th week is in the future, then all of this time in between the 69th week and whenever the 70th week starts is not actually time for us to make an end to the transgression. So what are we doing? What, like all of the people who lived before us, you know, after Christ, but before us, what were they here for? What were they doing? What are we doing? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't seem like you could just press pause in the middle of it and then keep going. Now, the complete opposite ideology of futurism is preterism. Preterists believe that everything has already happened, that all the prophecy in Revelation and Daniel and the Bible in general has already been fulfilled. I think, don't quote me on this part, but I think they see it as being fulfilled in 70 AD when the Romans sacked the temple and destroyed it. And to a certain extent, again, the strongest argument for that is that there is a verse in Matthew chapter 24 uh, I think it's verse 34, where the Messiah tells his disciples that their generation will live to see the things that he's talking about. They ask him, when when are all these things going to happen? And, and he goes into detail about all of these signs and things. And then he says that they will live to see 
these things. Now, some of them did, in fact, live to see the temple fall, but they are not alive today. Um, so that kind of means that kind of makes it seems like all of these all of the things should have already happened. Of course, the strongest argument against that is that we don't live in an idyllic paradise. People are still dying. Um, there's still wars all over the place. There is still racism and sexism and all of the isms that exist in our society. There is inequality. There are people who are poor. There are people who are starving. There is stress. There are taxes. Like, it doesn't seem like a lot of the things that we were promised have come to fruition, which puts a kind of a damper on preterism. Now, the third ideology, historicism, is kind of somewhere in between in that some of prophecy has been fulfilled, but there is some prophecy to be fulfilled. And there's prophecy that's being fulfilled as we sit here and chat on this podcast. The belief here is that that 70th week is part of the 69 weeks, that it is it has already been fulfilled, just as the preterist would say, but not so much that everything has been fulfilled in Revelation. There is a, you know, a time and a place. There's there are events that have happened that you can correlate to things in Revelation and in Daniel and map it out, but then there are things that have not yet happened. So they would be able to point, you know, point us to a particular point in Revelation and say, we're here. Um, and so the, the, the grand argument or the good, the, the best argument for that ideology is that it, it is kind of the middle ground in between these two. It does make sense in, in some cases. Um, it also, it, it, you can actually line things up with history. So if you actually study it and you see how they line things up, it makes sense. Um, and it's very fascinating. However, there is a flip side. There is a, there is a con here too. I'm trying to be non-biased and provide pros and cons for all four of these ideologies. The con for this one is that it's very subjective which event lines to what prophecy. I have read various people come up with different topics or different uh, events matching and uh, you'll read one and it makes sense and then you'll read another one and that'll make sense, but they don't make sense together. Um, and you'll see people refute them. And then also um, one of the, or at least uh from my point of view, one of the most popular denominations to follow historicist thought would be the Adventist church, um, which was built off of the Great Disappointment. You can study the Great Disappointment. Um, when you go into historicism, there seems to be a pointing towards 1844. So if you follow prophecy, it seems like something was supposed to happen in 1844, the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church um, and the Millerite movement thought that that's when the end of time was going to come, that that's when Jesus was coming back. He did not. And so um, that's what led to the Great Disappointment. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church has this doctrine about, um, oh, 
it's right here on the tip of my tongue and like I'm, I'm losing it. it has to do with like the cleaning of the sanctuary in heaven as opposed to the cleaning of the, the, the earthly sanctuary and the investigative judgment. That's it. This is not written in the Bible anywhere. Um, and so it's, 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 it's an interesting doctrine. We'll, we'll put it like that. So there comes a point where you have to say, okay, well, what's happening now? Where are we now? And why didn't something happen there? And if, if, if something didn't happen, was it interpreted correctly? Or, you know, or is is this other thing that they've come up with the correct interpretation or maybe something else happened that we just missed there's there's a lot more questions right there's still questions about what's happening and how things are playing out now the fourth ideology is called idealism and in terms of things happening prophetically it is the easiest to you know to try to prove and say like yep we're right because idealism says that none of this is literal, um, while you know the other schools of thought will also argue that parts are literal and parts are symbolic. Idealism is that none of it refers to a specific event. So, you know, historicists and futurists and preterists will probably all agree that a you know there's not like a monster beast actually going to come up from the sea. However, they agree that it represents something, right? We'll say that that represents a kingdom of sorts that is going to take over and start coming onto the scene and doing something. Idealism says that's not even a kingdom. It's just, you know, it, it's poetic. It's symbolic. And all of this is just telling us that good is going to triumph over evil. Good always triumphs over evil. And it's more of a, I don't know, I guess like a like a fable, an Aesop's fable type of thing, something to teach us a lesson. That's kind of the overall view of idealism. And like I said, the the biggest argument for that is that there is no there is no actual prophecy to be fulfilled. So it's kind of hard to say, oh, it didn't happen or it did happen. Um, and it definitely alleviates some of the stress, some of the fear that comes with the actual interpretations, like the literal interpretations that you would see in particular in futurism and historicism. Um, but even from a preterist point of view, you know, like I said, you're like, oh, but what's going to happen now? Um, idealism kind of transcends all of that. The negative of idealism kind of falls in the same lines with preterism in that it it means that there is no end. There is no point in which Satan is defeated and overthrown and, you know, cast into the lake of fire where all of a sudden we all get to retire in like our mansions that are in heaven and we get to live the good life and everything's perfect and there are no taxes and there are no sicknesses. Like, all of that kind of goes away. And I feel like that robs 99.9999% of the Bible of its power and of the whole point. Um, it kind of turns it into a lot more of like this kind of Eastern spiritualism of like the yin and the yang and like the cycles. Um, and just kind of this idea that good is 
the best way to be? Um, I don't know. There's, there's some questions there too. And I think that one was the hardest for me to understand when I first started studying. I was like, wait, what, what did they think? Um, but nonetheless, I want to point all of these out. I try to be, you know, non-biased. I do have one that I lean towards and that will probably come up throughout our discussion of, you know, interpreting the, the Bible and interpreting Revelation. But when you're talking to people, you can see how if you believe that everything has already happened, it's going to skew how you interpret Revelation. If you believe that it has none of it has happened, it's going to skew how you interpret it. If you believe it's already happened or some of it's happened and some of it's still happening, again, you're going to skew a different way. And it's important when you're listening to people tell you this represents that or this represents this and you know, these things are happening, that you understand which one of these ideologies they're applying as their framework and knowing whether or not you agree or disagree. Now, I didn't get into the nitty gritty of all of these. I'm pretty sure if you were to really get into it, there are probably people who've written dissertations on each one, but that would make for a very, very long podcast episode. So I just wanted to give like a nice overview so that you can think about it. I will post maybe some more in-depth information in the show notes um, if you want to visit www.psalmstogod.com. And in the meantime, keep studying and we are going to dive into Revelation 1 next week or the next time I record a podcast episode. See you guys then. Bye.